So I hope you're doing well today. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for joining us as we continue to worship the Lord. Hey, there's an announcement that I didn't mention, um, but on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, we are going to have a uh, prayer vigil, so to speak, here at Mount Vernon. Let's pray for our nation. Our nation needs prayer. We are told by the Lord to pray for our nation, for our leaders. And with an election of much significance and much importance, it reminds us again of our need to pray. Too often the people of God forget to pray. We've seen it in scripture how many times where, where someone prays for something, especially the children of Israel, right? They would ask God for something, they would pray for something, and God would deliver, and then all of a sudden it was like, all right, we'll see you next time. We need to pray. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., the sanctuary will be open. Now, of course, as I mentioned last time, you can, you can pray from home. And for some of you, that, that schedule just won't work. And if you can't make it, um, please know I don't have a tally of who's coming and who's not. But please pray wherever you are. And for those of you who can make it, even if it's a little bit out of your schedule, I encourage you to make a point of coming here and praying. Now, does God hear your prayers better when you're in the sanctuary? No. <laughs> But there says there, there's something about setting aside a time, doing something outside of our normal schedule, being deliberate in that. Parents, bring your kids. Teach them the significance of praying. I know this is a praying church, so let's pray together. Would you pray with me now? Gracious God, we thank you again for today. Father, we pray that truth would be communicated today. Be glorified, Lord, in everything that's said and done. Father, may truth be heard today. Father, in everything that we do, may we bring you glory. Father, we do pray for our nation as we see so much turmoil and heartache and so much pain. Father, we realize that the ultimate problem of this nation is a sin problem. It's a gospel problem. People turning away from God and turning to other things to find fulfillment, satisfaction, to find hope. Father, may we fulfill our mission as the church in carrying the gospel message to each corner of the globe. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we continue in our counterculture series. We've, we've looked at things like being a light into the world, what we started with, and then the sanctity of life and the importance of life from conception until natural death. We talked about things like racism and sexuality and looking at how, what, what marriage truly is according to the word of God, the dangers of things like pornography. We talked about the sin of partiality and the sin of racism. We looked at the environment and how should Christians look at things like climate change and are we to live in fear? And listen, if you've missed any of those, they're all online unedited. So you can go on and, and, and watch them and uh, they are what they are. I pray they're encouraging to you. Today we're going to talk about a higher authority. A higher authority. We are going to look at um, the worldviews of socialism and Marxism and the need for a higher authority. Yet I didn't really want to put the word Marxism in the bulletin. It just didn't feel right. So we do look at what it means to have a higher authority. 
as we look at the higher authority and the, the importance of a biblical worldview on everything that goes on in life, next Sunday we're going to look at the persecuted church as next Sunday is the week, and I have to keep remembering, not get it on my face here. Next Sunday is the national Sunday to remember the persecuted church. So we're going to do that next week. The week after that, we're going to look at countercultural hope. How do you find hope in the midst of everything that we see going on? But today we're going to look at the need for a higher authority. I think we have watched as more and more the United States has become an anti-Christian nation. What do you mean by that? We look at things like prayer being removed from school. Those who consider marriage to be between one man and one woman are considered bigots and homophobic. Those who believe that abortion is wrong do not stand for the rights of women. Efforts have been made to remove in God we trust as the national motto and under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. We live in what many people would actually call a post-Christian society. What do I mean when I say post-Christian society? Well, at one point, the majority of the worldview that existed in this nation would have been a Christian worldview. It no longer is. A post-Christian society is often very hard towards a Christian worldview. Make sure you keep God out of your school, out of the prayers before your sports team starts their game. Better keep them out of your workplace. And he better stay out of government and all policymaking. Instead of sending prayers anymore today and telling people that you're praying for, and the new thing is to tell people that you're sending good vibes. What's a good vibe? I mean, really, though, I, 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 I've looked at this, and, I, and I've seen, and I'm not trying to make fun of anyone, but, but in all goodness, like, if I tell you I'm sending a good vibe, I'll tell you, it's never going to get to you. <laughs> Christians who choose to live out their faith in the public are mocked, ridiculed, and shamed. They're told there's no place to live out their beliefs within the spectrum of the public world. But this isn't something that just happened overnight. This is something that's been going on for many, many years. And the church has chosen to either ignore it or to sleep. Some have chosen instead to try and stand up from the keyboard. And, and let, me, let me be clear, before we move into the rest of the sermon, this, this message today is not about saving the good old USA. But instead, it's about a worldview issue that's being championed by many, supported by many, and which many people are falsely following because of a sin problem. See, the Bible speaks of being alert. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Right? Let's, let's look at that first word. Sober-minded. What does that mean? Well, if you're not sober, that means that you are somehow compromised. Right? Be sober-minded. Be intentionally focused. Be alert. Be realizing what's going on in the world around you. Don't close your eyes and pretend like everything is just okay. Open your eyes to the sinfulness of the world, to the Genesis 3 world that we live in, and look at the trends that are going on in culture because you and I have the answer. Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. What a picture, seeking someone to devour. 
Jesus in talking to the disciples in Matthew chapter 10. He says this, he says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and be innocent as doves. So what does that mean? Well, it means that the world, including during Jesus' time, was looking to intentionally persecute Christians. Now, we're going to look next week at, at the persecuted church, and we're going to look at some real Marxist nations and the way that they treat Christians. It's horrific. We have been so blessed to live in this country. We really are. To the point where I, I think it, it has spoiled Christians to feeling like we don't have to verbalize our faith. Well, it's so easy to, to you know, carry my Bible around. No one's going to say anything to me to assume that everybody else has heard when we see that that is not the case. So be wise as serpent and be innocent as doves. It speaks of an intentionality that Christians must have in their wisdom. But yet also how Christians must be careful planners and remain blameless. But I think in order to find out where we are and some of the issues that exist today, we have to rewind history because history is important to finding where we are. This nation was founded upon certain principles. It's not a perfect nation in any sense. It never has been. If we claim it's a perfect nation, then we don't really believe this book. Yet many of the founding principles regarding freedom, regarding religion, were what many would refer to as Judeo-Christian principles. One of the main ones was the importance of God within culture. I think many people underestimate the importance that the founding fathers put on having God in culture. It doesn't necessarily mean that every founding father was a Christian, but instead that there was an understanding that there was a God who created everything, who deserves all worship, who all people are responsible to, and who tells us how we live our lives. See, a free people can only exist with a higher authority. Freedom only works when there's a higher authority, and I'm not talking about the government. These principles that I just mentioned were principles that were to be taught in school. Huh. It seems like so many people have tried to do everything possible to pull God out of every single area in life except for Sunday morning during church and inside the confines of your home. You can practice that there because it doesn't affect me. The pulling out of God of every aspect, I believe, has greatly affected our nation. As a matter of fact, according to Barna, uh, the Barna Research Organization, if you're familiar with them, in the year 2012, 9% of Americans identified as atheist, atheist, agnostic, or having no religion whatsoever. 9%. By the year 2018, six years later, 21% of Americans identify as agnostic, atheist, or having no religion whatsoever. One-fifth of the country. Why does that matter? Because as you continue to see the rise of some of these different things going on in the nation, it speaks not of a policy issue primarily, but of an area where the church needs to step up. Where we as Christians need to step up and speak up. I don't think anyone would disagree that there's a rise in secular humanism that we see. The belief that man is the ultimate. And with that, we have seen more of a support for things like socialism. Let me be clear today that when I, I speak of Marxism and socialism, um, I'm not doing this referring to COVID-19. 
and instead to a rise of a worldview and a great issue that's plaguing this nation. In 2019, there was a Gallup poll that stated that 43% of Americans believe that socialism is a good thing and 6% had no opinion whatsoever. So let's take that into, let's, let's stop a minute. 43% believe that socialism is a good thing and 6% have no opinion on it whatsoever. That means 49% of Americans either believe that socialism is good or it's, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. Now, is there a difference between Marxism and socialism? Well, Karl Marx didn't think so. They both oppose capitalism and they both, their ultimate goal was to turn the government into God. See, Marxism and socialism, in both of those things, the government becomes your provider, he becomes your, your sustainer, he becomes your ultimate authority. Beyond the fact that they just don't work in society, and it's been proven over and over again, socialism and Marxism push towards government control, but they also push towards, uh, against many of the ideals that the Bible holds to be true. The abolition of private property, the removal of religion and a higher authority. They push against the idea of freedom and of personal responsibility and against hard work. One of the goals of Marxism is the removal of God from any type of government in order to control the people because the, to Marxists, the government is God. The government's the one that makes sure that you have what you need and everything's going to be okay. And so when we talk about this today, some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, you know what, Tony? Why in the world are we talking about Marxism during church? Why would you bring socialism in during church? Why are we talking about these worldviews? Well, well, one of the reasons is 49% of Americans are, are genuinely okay with it, right? And that, that's an absolutely sad statistic. But do you know who the true enemy of Marxism is? Some would say a free people. And that's one enemy of Marxism. But the number one enemy of socialism and Marxism is the church. Because we have a higher authority. And to the church, the government never is the ultimate authority. Now our higher authority tells us how we are to live our lives. God tells us in his word things that we are to do. We're told to submit to authorities unless it leads to a sin issue, right? We're told to give Caesar what is Caesar's. We're told to love one another. We're told to how we act in this way and how we're supposed to act in that way. And the Bible is our ultimate authority. Karl Marx wrote that my objective in life is to dethrone God. We've seen as there has been a push to change some of the history of this nation. We've seen as there's been a push to vilify some of the founding fathers in one way or another. Some because of the fact that they owned slaves in the past. And if we're going to throw somebody's life out completely because they own slaves, well, where do we stop? Do we stop with Abraham? See, see I, I truly believe, I, I wholeheartedly believe, I wholeheartedly believe that the ultimate goal of Marxism and of socialism is to destroy the church. Now we know, we don't have to live in fear of that because the Bible tells us, right? My worldview says that nothing can stop the church, not even the gates of hell itself. Yet things that we see happening play into the Marxist and socialist philosophy. Karl Marx said, take away the heritage of a people and they're easily persuaded. Keep people from their history and they are easily controlled. And my objective in life is to dethrone God. Psalms 11.3 says, the foundations are destroyed. What can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, 
What can the righteous do? A group of Christians has tried to justify Marxist and socialist principles under the umbrella of Acts chapter 2. Let's read it together because I, I think this is important in understanding um, that it does not apply to this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And they came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And, by, and day by day, attending the temple together and the breaking of bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now it's the very top of this one. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all, any who had need. People take that verse and they act like that is the verse that God has commanded us to live this way. That, that's not it at all. That's a decision that was made within the people there. It's not something that is ordered by someone else. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks of charity. It speaks of Christians giving what God has given them to something else. It speaks of the way that, that some of you have been responding to the Serve Now ministry. The theology that Christianity and Marxism and socialism work together is a flawed theology that fails to look across the New Testament at the other churches as well. See, this wasn't something that happened everywhere. Frederick Engels if you're familiar with him, he is kind of the co-sponsor, the co-author of Marxism, said this. These good people, this is about people who think that Christ Christianity works. These good people, they're not the best Christians. <laughs> Although they style themselves so, because if they were, they would know the Bible better and find that a few passages of the Bible may be favorable to communism. The general spirit of its doctrine, nevertheless, totally opposes it. That's the person that helped author communism in and of itself. There are things that, that look good. There are things that seem good, that, that seem to click with the hearts of Christians in certain ways. See, I believe that Satan tries to disguise things that are wicked and evil by sprinkling in a little bit of good. Just a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down. Just a little bit of good might hide the wickedness that's involved in this. One example that we have seen of this is the organization Black Lives Matter. Of course, in the Christian worldview, all black lives from conception on matter. There's no question. There's no debate. We talked about that, didn't we? When we looked at the sanctity of life, when we looked at racism, how every single life of every single person matters. I truly believe the entire nation was horrified over some of the events of this past summer. Yet the organization of which many have supported, waved the flag of, purchased things to support, has little to do with the saving of black lives and more to do with the pushing of a political agenda. Up until recently, they had statements on their, a statement on their website which said the following, and they, and they took it off, and we'll get to that in a minute. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. What's the Western prescribed nuclear family structure? 
It's the biblical family structure, a husband and a wife. Why, 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 would, why would an organization want to disrupt that? <laughs> What's going on? This is a great danger in an organization whose desire is to disrupt the family. The family is one of the bedrocks of society today. And it has been. It's one of the things that God himself instituted. But we're going to disrupt that. The organization is founded by self-proclaiming Marxists who can be found chanting the famous communist slogan, we have nothing to lose but our chains. This organization is something that many people have rallied behind with the tragic deaths that occurred this past year, including many Christians. And I truly believe that there are many people whose, whose demonstrations in protesting and was out of a genuine concern and not out of trying to push some type of Marxist agenda. And so don't hear me when I say this today. I truly believe that there were a lot of people out there who had genuine, whether it was policy concerns or racial concerns, that were out there trying to share truth. Yet the organization which they had supported and got behind is wicked. But not only is the Christian world concerned about this, but even the secular world has begun to realize the dangers of this organization. Recently, their support in polling among voters has dropped almost 10%. There's a, an organization called the Heritage Foundation, and let me read to you what they said because they did a, a good amount of research into this. The CEOs of America's largest companies, through their membership in the Business Roundtable, have an entire site dedicated to the more than $6 billion that has been raised so far, dedicated to public policy solutions and to corporate initiatives to advance racial equity and justice. Travel across the more than 80 links on the page and you'll see that these major employers are spreading their shareholders' wealth around. And they're purposely funneling it far away from the Black Lives Matter organizations. Hmm. I think that even the secular world has realized the dangers of Marxism and socialism. And let me be very clear. You can be someone who completely values and completely believes that all black lives beginning at conception matter and be completely opposed to this political organization. That's just one example. Maybe the most real example to all of us who have watched everything unfold. The real issue with America today is that God continues to be removed little by little. See, I think for many people it's easier to become keyboard warriors than it is to actually get out in your community and be involved. Imagine if you took the same intensity and actually plugged into your community. And some of you do. Being willing to share the gospel and living out what you believe. What if you took the time that you scrolled through social media and put it into doing something in your community and pursuing the gospel? The Gospel Coalition, maybe you've, you've heard of them. Um, there's an article, and it's about Marx's world is what they call it. But let me read, let me read you a statement from that, because I think it helps us understand a little bit of where we are. It goes on to say, this is why there's so much pressure for churches to speak to whatever is the political issue of the day, because we live in Marx's world, a world where the cultural imagination is gripped by the idea that everything is political. 
Silence in today's climate on any issue by anybody in any institution is unacceptable. For to take no political stand on anything in our world is in fact to take a political stand, a stand for the status quo. The idea that this nation continues to be pushed against each other, one side to another, and Christians have fallen into the same trap. I'm sure, I'm sure you have witnessed the hatred that has existed through this election season. We all knew it was coming, right? Right, in the way that people treat each other. We all knew it was coming. Yet the way that one side looks at the other and the way they speak to each other and the way that they interact and, and how I can't be friends with this person because you know what they believe on economics? I, I don't believe the same thing. And Do you know what they believe uh, about welfare? Well, I, I can't agree with that. Do you know what they believe about this or about immigration? I can't agree with that. And all of a sudden relationships are fractured and there continues to be more and more class division that exists in this nation. And class doesn't just mean rich and poor. It can be someone who views this politically and someone who views this politically. It can be someone who views this as religious and not religious and the separation continues and I truly believe the ultimate goal of all of this is the destruction of the church so let me be clear there's a great movement in this country and around the world to shut the church down But see, it really doesn't matter how hard people try. Uh, the church of Jesus Christ cannot be stopped. The persecution that the church sees is intentional persecution, but the church can't be stopped. If even the gates of hell can't prevail against the church, the church can't be stopped. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does that tell us? It reminds us that we have a mission. And that nothing can stop that mission except for God himself when it's the appropriate time. We need to be focused on the gospel no matter what lies ahead one year, five years, 20 years, 30 years down the road. John 10.10, 10, the, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came they may have life and have it abundantly. So Tony, you've, you've told me about some of the dangers of Marxism and socialism, and, and, and listen, I, I know you, if, if you're familiar with, with these philosophies and ideologies, you're probably sitting there going, I can't believe you didn't mention this, and I can't believe you didn't mention this. You'll have to forgive me. I had 30 minutes this morning. There's a lot to incorporate in 30 minutes, and I appreciate your graciousness through this series. But as we've done with all of the other ones, what am I to do about this? First Peter 5a, let's go back to that a minute. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Realize that the devil is real and he's looking to devour. Satan sprinkles a little bit of good and something very wicked. Well, it might sound good to have things that come free. Be careful. Be alert. That means that Christians need to be watching the news 
educating yourself, that we seek truth. What do you do when three different news websites say three different things? You continue to research to find the truth, to make sure you're speaking from a biblical worldview. Continue to use your vote as a demonstration of your faith. Research and study the different sides. As I stated when talking about the sanctity of life, our faith must weigh heavily on who we vote for and on what platform we choose as Christians to support. <clears throat> Voting's important, and in this election in particular, but voting is not the most important thing. I'm gonna give you two more. Parents, continue to disciple your children. Grandparents, continue to disciple your grandchildren, developing a biblical worldview, realizing that this world is wicked, and that Satan has an agenda that he would love to indoctrinate your children with. But your responsibility as parents and grandparents is to train your child up in the way he should go, even, because even when he's old, he will not depart from him. Proverbs 22, 6. You do the best you can do. When your child becomes an adult, that's on them. But you do everything you can do to disciple and chain your child up according to the truths of God's word. <clears throat> do not fear what lies ahead. Because no matter what government God would allow to be in place, whenever that would be, our mission doesn't change. If the United States in 10 years would turn into a Marxist country like the world has never seen, our mission doesn't change. If we continue to be a, a democracy with freedom, our mission doesn't change. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go therefore into, and make all, disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our mission, our mission is to glorify God by carrying the gospel to the world. Why? Because listen, I can be a spokesperson against communism and socialism for all of my life, yet if I share the gospel with no one, I've wasted my life. I can be someone who stands against abortion for all of my life, but if I do nothing to share the gospel with someone, I've wasted my life. I can stand completely against racism and speak out on it in every front. Yet if I don't share the gospel, I've wasted my life. As Christians, we've been given a responsibility by God. A responsibility which says that our message is to carry the gospel, the truth, the only thing that can truly save mankind. Because no matter how many hours I can spend trying to tell people about climate change, if I don't share the gospel, it's in vain. Your mission doesn't change. But be aware. Live lives that are alert. Keep your eyes wide open to many of the dangers that exist in the world. This should surprise no one. Because Genesis chapter 3 reminds us this world's a wicked place. The heart of man is depraved. And we have the message of what true healing is. True restoration. That God sent his only son to come to a world that was so wicked that it turned from him. Because the only way to restore that relationship was through a perfect sacrifice, through Jesus Christ, who willingly gave up his life at the cross, that we could be forgiven. And three days later, did he conquer death? He sure did. Would you pray with me?
Father, we know the scripture stands for things like freedom and personal responsibility and, and, and so much so much else. And communism and socialism, they just they aren't compatible with Christianity. Lord, but we realize also that we live in a nation. We live in a nation that's been blinded by the eye that's been blinded, whose eyes have been blinded by the enemy. We realize that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against an adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion, who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, we pray for this land, that you would really heal this land. And Father, help us to not fear, but to live in confidence and trusting you Realizing, Lord, that you are the God who saves. Reminding us of the gospel message that we have to carry at our workplace and in our schools. Father, it doesn't matter what lies ahead, no matter how far in the future, because you've got it. You tell us in your word that sufficient are today's troubles for today. And so we don't worry about tomorrow. But Lord, may we speak truth. In Jesus' name, amen.